if you question that vision, if you question that person, you are just going to be trampled. In the podcast, all the time, they play this clip about Driscoll saying, there's gonna be a big pile of people who got ran over by the Mars Hill Church bus by the time we're done with this. And he said, Lord willing, it'll be a big mountain of people behind this church bus that we ran over. I mean, just the imagery of that, it's so evil. It's so uncaring and yet, it wasn't surprising. And you had all these people listening to him say that going, yeah, yeah, he's right. Run those people over because they're not supporting the vision. What, what the heck? The rise and fall of Mars Hill. This has been one of the best podcasts that has come out in a long time. And it's put out by Christianity Today. It's hosted by Mike Cosper. He also produces it and writes it and kind of tells the story. And it is the story of Mark Driscoll and the rise of Mars Hill Church in Seattle and the fall of Mars Hill Church. And a lot of people have been listening to this and I've wanted to comment on it for a long time on this podcast and I decided to wait to hear more episodes, to listen. Then I got to the point where I need and want to share my thoughts. I'm going to talk about my history with Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll, how he influenced and shaped my early ministry. And then I want to give a little bit of what I've taken from the podcast, three primary lessons that I feel like I have learned and need to continue to learn. I feel like these are important lessons that we as church leaders and as pastors have to understand. And really the broader church community as a whole has to learn something from what's been happening over the last decade or so in the church culture that we find ourselves in. And the rise and fall of Mars Hill is really a microcosm. It's just kind of a point in time that really demonstrates what I think is a broader problem. So if you're just joining me, my name is Lane Sebring. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Usually on this podcast, we talk about preaching, sermon prep, sermon delivery, a little bit of church leadership. So if you would like a really cool resource on all of that, I want to give you something for free. If you go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, you can pick up my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. It's a three-week, three-step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling message designed for life change. I've had hundreds of pastors download this and have benefited from it. I think at this point, thousands of pastors have, and I've gotten some really great feedback on it. It's totally free just for you. If you're a novice, it's great. If you've been preaching for a long time, it's great. There's something in there for everybody. So preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. So let's talk about the podcast. It's called Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's been going on since June, and every episode is incredibly gripping. I mean, it's great storytelling. It's investigative journalism. It's also, there's heart to it. There's a love and a care for these people. It's not completely just slamming Mark Driscoll, although there's much criticism leveled at him, but most of that is done through interviews of people who were closest to him in that time. So it's incredibly interesting and there's so much to learn and there's way too much content and too many episodes for me to break down specifics. I just highly recommend going and listening to it. There's nothing I'm gonna be able to say that is going to be any better than what you're gonna find on that podcast in terms of recapping it. 
But there are three things that I feel like are important for our purposes today and on my show that I want to uh, express to you as a community of pastors and church leaders who track with what we're doing here at Preaching Donkey, who want to become not only better communicators, but better pastors, better church leaders. Here's some things that I feel like we can get from this. The first thing is something has gone terribly wrong. Something has gone terribly wrong in the way church leadership is structured, the way we have done this, I guess. I mean, if you look at Mark Driscoll, here you have a guy who is almost entirely unaccountable. And there's reasons why uh, some of that has to do with his capabilities and his intellect and his charisma. And his he's just sharp enough to have structured a system where he had a lot of power and control. But he's not the only one. In the last decade, we've seen so many people that sometimes I forget how many people at one point when I started in ministry were leading large churches and were incredible communicators, had started and led massive movements who are no longer around or they lost their church because of some kind of moral failing or the way they treated people or whatever. And maybe they're back now in some smaller other capacity, or maybe they disappeared entirely. I'm thinking of guys like Bill Hybels, who led Willow Creek Church, one of the largest churches in the country, and he went away, and James McDonald, and Perry Noble, and the list, and Mark Driscoll, the list just goes on and on and on. And there's a common thread through a lot of these where you have a really dynamic leader who is able to lead a massive movement, to lead with vision in a very strong way. And when you kind of dissect these situations, there's just a lack of actual accountability and there's a lack of an actual check on these people's lives, their behavior, how they're treating people. And so much of that goes unchecked because of how talented they are, because they're able to hold an audience, because they're able to grow a large church. So this has had an impact. When I think about my history in ministry, some of my earliest influences were some churches that you would consider maybe attractional churches like Andy Stanley, uh, Craig Rochelle. There's tons of others now, but back in those days, they were kind of the, the cutting edge and they still really are in a lot of ways, very cutting edge, especially life church, but just like cutting edge, we're doing things differently um, we we have kind of seen the problems with traditional church and we're, we're paving our own way. And when I was coming of age, that was really, really attractive. And then I found Matt Chandler in about 2006. I started listening to him. Matt Chandler uh, was kind of running in the same circles as Mark Driscoll, Tim Keller, John Piper, Darren Patrick. Some of these guys at this time were in this kind of resurgence movement. And listening to this podcast has brought all of this back to the surface. And it's just, I remember as I listen to each episode, I can think back to where I was. Like I remember in 2008, I went to the Resurgence Conference in Seattle. I actually was there. I was able to meet Matt Chandler. I never met Mark Driscoll, but I remember just being, feeling like, we are on cloud nine. Me, my, my a good friend of mine was there with me and I just felt like this is it. We've arrived because these guys were doing something really cool. When I found Matt Chandler, when I found Mark Driscoll, 
I thought, okay, this is the way to do it. Preach the Bible long and hard and uh, be heavy on doctrine, be heavy on on your your convictions and and yet be culturally relevant and maybe a little bit culturally loose and that's awesome. And that that's kind of the path that I went down for a while, and I wasn't the only one. There was a movement back in these days called the Young, Restless, and Reformed Movement where you had a lot of 20 and 30-somethings at that time, this was 10, 15 years ago, who were latching onto this and saying, this is the way, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And of course, the way that this often goes is, at least in my experience, I began to broaden who I was influenced by and the kind of preacher and pastor and church leader that I wanted to be and uh, began to view the movement of what Mark Driscoll was doing, what Matt Chandler was doing as something I appreciated but didn't really relate to for a few reasons that I don't want to get into in this episode, but just kind of stylistically some peripheral doctrinal issues that I was just kind of like, ah, you know, maybe that's not who I am. But when you're young and you're just starting out in ministry, you latch on, at least this was my experience, you latch on to something that you're like, this is who I want to be like. They're the people that I emulate. That's what I want to go be like. So Mark Triscoll was one of those guys who was sharp, funny, he could get into a room, make some acute observations, and capture everybody's imagination, make everybody laugh. He was somewhat cynical, somewhat sarcastic. Uh, he could on a he could flip a switch and deepen the the situation. He, I mean, he was incredibly charismatic, incredibly talented, and so that's one of the things that I observed is that I was even taken in. I say even, of course, I mean, anybody can be taken in, and I was very young, but the point is, he was somebody who influenced me in such a way that I saw whatever he did, whatever he said, and he was known as the drinking, cussing pastor. That was the thing back in the day. Donald Miller's book, uh, Blue Like Jazz, referred to this pastor who cussed and drank, and it was turned out to be Mark Driscoll. Years later, everybody goes, oh, Mark Driscoll's the guy that Don, Donald Miller was talking about in the book, Blue Like Jazz. So I remember me and all my friends just going, hey, this is kind of cool. This is different. Here's a guy who's edgy. Here's a guy who is uh, not afraid to tell it like it is. And here's a guy who's who's manly. And he's getting out there and he's doing his thing. And as a 20-something young ministry person, I thought, man, this is cool. Like this, is, He's going to make church more what I think it should be, at least you know at that time, how I was thinking. So I don't know if you can relate to me at all. I'm not sure what your story is. I'm just telling you at that time, this was something that me and a lot of people like me followed and said, hey, this is pretty cool. I kind of like it. It's it's fun. Uh, sometimes it makes me laugh. Sometimes it makes me think. Sometimes it's really convicting and challenging. I like all of it. The first thing that I'm pulling out of this is that something has gone wrong. And I think back to those days and I think about how I probably would have excused quite a bit of behavior because of the impact that he made on me. So when things started to come out about Driscoll being a kind of a meanie, uh, mistreating his staff, all of those things that were going on, I was quick to say, yeah, there's two sides to that story. You know, who knows what his side was? And you listen to this podcast and you think, oh my gosh, there was so much happening beyond the surface, so many things going on where people were just being trampled in the wake of 
the vision that Mark Driscoll had. It was a vision over everything. So Mark Driscoll is just one example of a large problem that we have in Christianity and in evangelicalism. Some of it has to do with celebrity. Some of these guys, I think, are just really talented. And with social media and being able to not just be the pastor of your local congregation, but be the pastor of maybe the the world, (laughs) right, through the internet, but also several different campuses. I I heard somebody say recently, I think it might have been Kerry Newhoff, that you know, 30 years ago, large buildings were impressive. Now, multiple campuses are impressive, right? So if you want to sit around with other pastors and be impressive, you don't talk about how many people your auditorium seats. Nobody cares about that anymore. You talk about how many campuses you have. So you got multiple campuses, you got a worldwide reach. And some of this stuff can be really good. Some of this stuff can be can in, enable normal people to communicate the gospel to a lot of more people than they used to. Some of these people can decentralize churches so that people aren't driving 30 minutes across town to go to one mega center, but they're actually going to a church that's in their community that just happens to be connected to a larger church across town. And some of these things can be really good. And I'm not saying that these things are bad. I'm just saying that the guys at the top of these pyramids can sometimes be corrupted, can sometimes get corrupted, can sometimes get so used to no one ever telling them no, no one ever questioning what they want, no one ever questioning uh, the way that they are leading the church or leading their lives that things can go wrong. And we just see that happen over and over and over and over and over again with all these abuses of power and all these mismanagement of money and mismanagement of staff and mistreatment of staff. And you wonder, when is anything going to change? I think something has gone very wrong. The second lesson that I can get out of this, just from listening to this podcast, is that pragmatism is dangerous. Or let me just say it this way. Pragmatism can be dangerous. Pragmatism is the idea that if it works, that's fine, right? So if it's kind of like, hey, if it grows the church and people are getting baptized, who cares if it was a little off or who cares if we trampled over some people along the way? It worked. So what are you complaining about, right? We have this large church. We got this big budget, big staff. We're taking over the world and it worked. We are pragmatic, but we're not very principled. I think what we've lost in the church is principles to be able to say, yeah, we that might work. But is it wise? Is it really the best thing to do? Does it really honor God? Does it really honor people? And it's just vision at all expense. This is why all throughout the podcast, you hear people talk about how Driscoll was so talented that he got away with being reckless. Because it was just, hey, yeah, I mean, he's a kind of a loose cannon. We never know what he's going to say. It's kind of fun. But he is so talented. He's so good at this. And people are coming in by the droves. And here we are in Seattle, the least church city in the country, and it's working. So why question it? And I think that's dangerous because I think there's there has to be a point where someone or some body of people step in and say, this might be working in some kind of superficial way, but is it really God honoring? Is it really gospel centered? Is it really doing the work of Christ or is it building up the ego of a man? And then the third lesson that I get out of this is that the vision, right? The vision of the church, the vision of the leader is not worth destroying people. 
I am a huge fan of churches having a strong vision. I'm a huge fan of churches having a strong visionary leader. I think that's what it takes. Someone being a strong visionary directional leader can really take a church and make it move. However, often because that leader is so powerful, because he's unaccountable, and because people tend to be so pragmatic, especially in the West, where if what he's doing is working, everybody says, well, don't question it because it's working. If all that stuff lines up, then if you get in the way of that vision, if you question that vision, if you question that person, if you slow down or get tired, especially if you're on staff or if you're a volunteer, you are just going to be trampled. This is something that Driscoll talks about in the podcast all the time. They play this clip about Driscoll saying there's going to be a big pile of people who got ran over by the Mars Hill Church bus by the time we're done with this. And he said, Lord willing, it'll be a big mountain of people behind this church bus that we ran over. I mean, just the imagery of that. It's so evil. It's so uncaring. And yet it wasn't surprising. And you had all these people listening to him say that going, yeah, yeah, he's right. Run those people over because they're not supporting the vision. What the heck? It's so funny to think back on it. But in the moment at that time, what he was doing was working. And so those people just didn't matter. And there's a long line of people who have been hurt by not just this church, but lots of churches who have this kind of structure that just blindly follow a leader, and that can be incredibly dangerous. So I don't know what we do about this. All I know is that in our individual churches, in your church, to the extent that you have the capability, to to especially if you're a lead pastor, and you can give away some of your power, if you can really work to protect not just the vision, but the people, if you can say, listen, we could do that and it would probably work, but does it align with our principles? Does it align with our values? Is it biblical? Is Is it what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ? Those kinds of things can really help to solve some of these problems. But I think, I think the church needs to change. I think the church needs a lot of prayer. I think the church needs in the the church in the West needs a, to change the way we have thought about this for a long time. I think we have become commercialized. I think we have become personality driven. And I think that is going to prove over and over and over again to not work. Because if you've got one person at the top of this massive organization and everything is riding on his character and everything is riding on his ability to stay faithful to God, faithful to his family, and everything is riding on his great mercies to make sure he's a benevolent dictator, I think that's a fragile place, and unfortunately, a lot of churches find themselves in that exact position. So I don't know if that's your church. Here's the thing. The vast majority of churches are not mega churches, but a lot of pastors wish they were a mega church pastor. So maybe my point here is to encourage you to be where you are and realize that it's not so glamorous to be at the top of these massive organizations because with that comes a very, very fragile position that a lot of pastors find themselves in. So I'm praying for a better future. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. I'm just saying 
something isn't working. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it in the comments if you're watching here on YouTube. If you're listening on one of the podcast players, leave me a review, but if it's not five star, don't worry about it. <laughs> and if you're new here at Preaching Donkey, don't forget to go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, grab your guide there, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, all that stuff, and I will see you in the next episode.